So hi folks, Dave here. Before we start the show, I wanted to let you know that we've teamed up with audible.co.uk and we're offering you a free audiobook. All you have to do is register for a one month free trial to claim your free audiobook, of which there are over 250,000 to choose from. It's a 30 day free trial. It means you can choose a free audiobook, which is yours to keep whether or not you decide to cancel that trial period or not. Free piece of advice, if you're gonna try an audiobook, go for Bill Bryson's A Walk in the Woods. Anyway, sign up at www.audible.co.uk forward slash tech talks. Back to the show. Welcome to Tech Talks, the technology podcast publishing on Mondays and Thursdays with David Savage and Jack Pierce. Today's episode is brought to you from Web Summit. I'm sat in the centre of Lisbon having a coffee and a pastel banana for breakfast before heading back to the conference for the third and final day of the summit. And this is an episode that contains interviews recorded on Monday night, Tuesday and Wednesday with a series of different people from different sectors and all over the planet, from Russia, from France, from the States, from the UK, explaining why they're here and what they're interested in hearing about from everyone else at the summit. I hope you enjoy. Uh, so I'm sitting with Peter. Um, Peter, what's your title at Segment? Make sure I get this right. Yeah, I'm CEO and one of the co-founders. How many co-founders are there? Uh, there were four co-founders. And it was a company that was started in 2011 whilst you were at MIT, right? That's right, yeah, we were at MIT. Uh, happy to tell the whole story, sort of how we, yeah. how we found product market fit. But yeah, we were, 2011 we were at MIT, we, we dropped out uh, and we joined Y Combinator, a yep. startup incubator in Silicon Valley in the summer of 2011. Um, and then really struggled for a year and a half, happy to walk through that. And then over the last five, six years, things have really taken off. So the company is about 340 people today and uh, primarily based in, in San Francisco, but now have offices in New York and Dublin and London and Sydney as well. Look, obviously it's a, it's a fantastic success story, but dropping out of MIT, one of the most yeah. prestigious schools in the world, yeah. to start with an idea with just four of you must have been a hell of a decision at the time. So interestingly, MIT has a fairly unique uh, policy, which is that if you want to come back at any point in the next 10 years, they actually don't let you drop out. They only let you um, sort of go on sabbatical, if you will. Right. So technically, I can I still have like two more years where I can, <laughs> I can go back to MIT, no questions asked. Um, so they make it actually quite easy to leave yeah, for yeah. a while and do something like this. Um, I think other universities would just like you'd have to reapply or something, but MIT right. doesn't do that. So they, Unlikely they make it to happen now. Sorry? Unlikely to happen now. Yeah, yeah. And look, you're here at Web Summit because you're a speaker. You're speaking tomorrow. Yep. Uh, first time at Web Summit? Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah, I think uh, I've heard more and more about Web Summit over the years. But yep. uh, I think when we were just getting started, it was only like, you know, a few hundred people. Yep. Now it's 70,000. So it's a bit more of a, a bit more of an attraction to be a, a part of. And what stage are you speaking on? I'll be speaking on the SaaS monster stage. Right. And I'll be talking about how GDPR, the new data uh, regulation, yep. uh, is affecting how it's playing out, what the future of it might look like, etc. No pressure, but SaaS monster last year had to be the busiest stage Perfect. that I saw all Love the time. It. There was always about 20 people deep who were, who were looking for seats. So okay. it's, it's a good one to be speaking on. Awesome. Um, in terms of, so you're talking about GDPR and, yeah. and data etiquette. That's right. What do you mean by data etiquette? Yeah, so companies over the last decade, some large companies have built this sort of policy or, or business model around using third-party data, so selling data between different companies. Yep. And it's really kind of a bad habit because it, it isn't super respectful of, of the end user's privacy. Yep. Um, and so data etiquette is really the concept that companies should be giving a personalized experience, but they should be giving that experience based on their own first-party data. Right, so if you're a retailer, you have a bunch of data about people using your mobile app and your website and interacting with your store, and you should use that data to make a really great retail experience, but you shouldn't be buying and selling and trading that data with a whole bunch of other retailers, because as soon as you do that, it becomes creepy and massive loss of trust. So the concept of data etiquette is to really focus on doing the right thing for your customers, focusing on using your own first-party data to personalize a really great experience and cut out all the third-party data that makes it creepy. That's interesting, but at the same time, I've read one or two articles where it's kind of suggested that online banking and, and retail could mm. partner much more closely to utilize people's data to provide a better experience. So I suppose there must be some instances where people can collaborate and, you, and use that data in a, in a constructive way. I think most of those are in the abstract. Right. right? That, the concept of, oh yeah, great, there is data over here and there is data over here and it could be more personalized. But what's left out is how does the consumer feel 
right. when they walk into a retail store and the person says, oh, I saw you bought these, you know, pink striped pants at this other retailer down the store, down the street. Would you, you know, 15 minutes ago, would you like to buy a pink striped shirt to go with it? Yeah. Like, what the hell? That's super creepy and like that shouldn't happen. So I think really focusing on the experiences that can be delivered with first party data of like, hey, when you were in here last time, mm. you bought these shoes. How can I be helpful? I think that is a much more sort of trust building experience for a customer. So I, I agree it could be more personalized with third party data, but um, I think if you go ask any of our parents or, or anyone like what experience they'd like, uh, it, it doesn't involve the brokering of third party data. And I think there's a need for much stronger sort of etiquette around that. Now, obviously, GDPR is a big piece of legislation. Yep. At the minute, there's very little trust in, in tech to self-regulate. Yep. Uh, and there's not a huge amount of confidence in, in governments to be able to regulate. And obviously, in the UK recently, we've had the, the announcement of the di digital services tax. How, how successful that will be will be remain to be seen. But yep. how successful do you think GDPR has been in, in, in its aims? So GDPR, I think, has been reasonably successful. So if you look at the most recent quarterly earnings reports from Google and Facebook, you can see that they're having sort of significant reductions in, uh, in ad prices, and it is impacting their revenue. So yeah. I think from a European perspective, like what the EU is trying to accomplish, it's having an impact there. I think you see uh, like Critio, uh, or Critio, the ad, ad company, had like a pretty massive decline in their stock price. Uh, in the last year, partially around GDPR and partially around the changes to Safari, the web browser, on how they handle cookies. Um, you see like a lot of the most sketchy ad companies and data broker companies actually just leaving the European Union altogether yep. and just doing business elsewhere. So I think it has had a bunch of good effects. If you look at the first sort of six months of history since the regulation went into effect, though, there haven't been a lot of like major sort of lawsuits or regulatory actions actually taken against companies. Uh, and I think some people were expecting some pretty like bold out of the gate moves by the regulators. So it'll be interesting to see what happens in the next six months now that they've had some time to sort of like gather data and figure out what's actually going on. Yep. Um, that I think will be very telling as to how successful the regulation is going to be as to how strictly it's enforced in the next six months. One last quick question. Yeah. Um, you, you mentioned there that you've got 340 staff now as That's a business. Right. Yeah. What has been the biggest lesson for you, either the four of you as a, as a mm. co-founding team, or you yourself as CEO in that growth from naught to 340 people? Yeah, I think one of the toughest things that uh, has been sort of a, a struggle for me is, is, you know, when you start as dropping out of college and then there's four people, peers working together, to then becoming a manager after about two years, to then becoming a manager of managers about 12 months later, to then becoming a manager of manager of managers about 18 months later, and then you just keep adding layers and size. and and every time that happens, you actually have to learn a completely different management technique. Right. Um, so I, I think it's just like a very accelerated pace of learning, which is absolutely what makes it fun and challenging and, and, and so forth. But I think, I think that the biggest set of learnings has been around uh, management discipline and, and sort of how to go from one level to the next of, of managing uh, more and more people and more and more layers. Uh, would not claim to be an expert by any means. Uh, but I, I, I try to steal from each new layer of managers that we hire. I, I try to steal skills from the exec team. Right. Uh, since, since they have way more experience with it. Well, look, good luck speaking tomorrow. What time yeah. are you on stage? Uh, I think I'm on stage at three. Oh, so, so you've got plenty of time to enjoy tonight, yeah. recover, and then, yeah, fine. <laughs> yeah. And enjoy the rest of the summit. Awesome. Thanks so much. So it is the opening night of Web Summit. We are sitting outside the Altus Arena. Uh, I'm sitting with Will and with, with Alex. Um, Alex, your, your badge says compare your footprint. That's right. What is compare your footprint? Well, compare your footprint is a platform that we're developing for companies to allow themselves to really benchmark themselves against competitors in terms of where they sit environmentally and yeah, basically give themselves a platform to kind of see where they're at at the moment and where they want to go going forward. So that's an offshoot of Green Element? Yes, that's right. So Will, what, what is Green Element? Green Element is an environmental management consultancy that helps organisations become more environmental by the use of consultants, um, software. Compare Footprint isn't the only software that we use, but um, I feel that if you are to be more environmental, you need all facets. So your brain, people, your software, your bit of a mixture of everything in order to help you on your journey. And you're here to pitch tomorrow. Yes, Who are you right. pitching? Who are we pitching? Well, what, what, what's, what's, the, what's the context around the pitch? Context around the pitch, we've got a three minute pitch. Yep. We have to um, tell everyone what the Compare Your Footprint does, 
help manage and understand your environmental footprint and benchmark yourself against others. At is two, three people who I don't know. This is the bit that I get a bit confused about. <laughs> um, so as broad as it is, I have to bring in all facets of compare your footprint into three minutes succinctly. What's really quite disheartening is that you're probably going to be one of the very few organisations, if not the only one really, in, in your space here. I think so, although saying that there is Planet Tech. Right. So it is, and I'm, I'm looking forward to finding out what other what others are out there, but I think you're broadly right. I think that we are going to be one of the few. You know what? We both may be pleasantly surprised. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, I, I came last year and uh, there was a Pope app to help people pray here. So, you know, if, if there's that, then there really should be things about saving the planet. Yes. Maybe they should be sat next to yeah. each other. Anything divine right now to help the planet. But, uh, on a serious note, I mean, what? Well, you say, you say that. Like, okay, right. So before, before a conference, you have to um, network with people and yeah. email them. The only people I couldn't network with were the people that were on. There's a lot of Catholic Church and Church of England people coming to this right. tech conference. And we actually can help churches become more environmental. Right. So, I was wanting to network with the Catholic Church and I found it really hard. <laughs> Don't have a hotline to God. No. <laughs> okay. What, what are you looking to get out of the conference though? I mean, look, not, not kind of pulling any punches. It's an expensive thing to come to. It is a, it's a tech conference. Um, tech companies could certainly be more green, but what are you hoping to achieve from being here? We would like to gain more clients, yeah. white labelling our um, services, so we would look, be looking at consultancies, um, organisations that have a number of companies within their um, groups or um, reach, and we're also looking at investment as well. Yeah. Now, to get your message out there, you also have a podcast. Yes, we do. How would people find it? Greenelement.co.uk. Yeah, is it on social? It is on social. Oh, well, I know it's on social channels because yep. I follow it. But what the, are green they? Ele- the, the green element. The green element. Yeah. Uh, we're green underscore element. And. That's Twitter. That's yeah, Twitter. That's Twitter. Green element. Green element. As long as people search for <laughs> green element, they'll find it. <laughs> well, look, um, I've kept you for probably too long. Uh, and I know that the main stage is kicking off. But thank you for spending a couple of minutes. Thank you very much. Thank you. So we're standing outside the startup van. Yeah. And I'm with Baptiste. I'm not going to try and pronounce your surname because... You can try it, go on. It was French, right? Yeah. De Bavière? <laughs> De Bavière. I'm being particularly British and not being able to pronounce names. But you offer the startup Fedia. Yeah, that's right. So what is Fedia? So Fedia is a feedback application yeah, yeah. using gamification and using real user engagement with user experience in order to make the feedback experience non-boring. Feedback for? Feedback for B2B, so mainly for the moment software companies, yeah. as in you know products, teams, or customer success teams. Yeah. But the end goal is to get bigger and you know get the retail world and get like basically outside of the software world. And this is your first start, uh, your yeah. first web summit? Yeah, just, yeah first, first startup, first web summit. Okay. And you've launched, what, six months ago? Six months ago, yeah, right. So what are you trying to get out of being here in Lisbon? So we have a booth tomorrow, and yeah. uh, we also got selected in the pitch competition, so winners. Maybe you're going to, to get... Congrats. Uh, yeah, to get in later stage. And uh, we're also hoping to to meet with like-minded people, like startup, like startup guys in Japan, and like startups guys, entrepreneurs, and also looking for opportunities and you know, 70,000 people so we can yeah. meet and we also have a lot of meetings booked like myself and Bill here we have uh, each of us a few meetings per day for yeah, the yeah. coming day so hoping to, to get something out. So Baptiste there's you and Bill, yeah. is there anyone else in the business? Yeah so uh, myself and Fosso as a co-founders yeah, yeah. and Fosso is not here, joining later today and, and then we have Bill helping me out on all the marketing sales kind of things and then we have another developer. Okay, so obviously starting a company must be fairly nerve-wracking, but if there's one thing in the last six months that you thought was going to be hard, but it's been even harder than you thought it was going to be, but you've managed to, to work through. It's been a challenge, but it's, you've ended up figuring out a way to, to, to fix it in the end. What, what would it be? What's, what's the one thing that's been hard to overcome? Um, I think that would be 
figuring out how to understand all the how to sell your software because at the, at the, when I started I didn't know anything about all the funnel work and all how you know like how you create content and how you get people down your funnel and how you get people to actually come sign up and use your software yeah. and uh, I, I think I learned a lot about that and now I'm on my way happening. Yeah, really, really interesting. Well, look, we're standing outside an Irish pub, so we should probably get a drink, even though the queue's ridiculous and they don't know how to serve anyone. But have a good web summit. Thank you very much. I am sitting with Ben Braben. Hello. Hello. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. A bit of a different setting to level 39. It is, yes, yes. And you've literally just walked through the door. I have literally walked through the door. Very, so, very big door. Yeah, it is. What are your initial impressions? Well, I was at the opening ceremony last night and uh, at an investor event during much of yesterday as well. Uh, and so my opening impressions coming in here today are just the scale of it, the number of people, the variety of what's going on. Uh, and it's quite hard to kind of figure out how to get your arms around it. Yes. Yeah, it's, um, I think when you first walk in, and certainly this happened to me last year, you're not entirely sure what's in what hall and the way they structure it from each day with Alpha and Beta Zones and the various different companies, it can take you a bit of time to orientate yourself. Um, and given that some people only have one day here and there are 70,000 delegates, it does kind of beg the question, what are people getting from the conference? It does. But I guess my experience so far is that I've already bumped into a lot of people who I know. And that's great. It's nice to sort of cement those relationships. But perhaps more importantly, I've also met with various people I've never met. And so my, my still unanswered question is, how great is this as an environment for serendipity? So far, my impression's pretty good. I've met some fantastic people. And you were invited along? Yes, that's right. I'm on a How panel. many days are you here for? I was here yesterday and I'm here today. I'm afraid I've got to be back in London for another conference tomorrow. That's a shame. So you're not going to be able to enjoy the delights of Lisbon in the evening? Well, I enjoyed last night. Yeah? yeah. It's a great city. It is a wonderful city. And which panel are you on, if you don't mind me asking? I'm on a panel looking at how to build relationships with venture capital investors. What insight might you give away? This is going to go out after the event, so it's not really a spoiler. Okay, so you're not going to... You're no. Going to, <laughs> I can keep my powder dry for the day. Right, well, it's essentially this. That the most important thing to build is trusting relationships. More important than technical competence even. Yep. Uh, what I've really learned uh, in my time at Level 39 is that success seems to be more closely related to your ability to form trusting relationships than it is your ability to have the right technology. Now clearly you need both. But I look at how people spend their time and it's on the relationships, most of all. Well look, good luck on the panel. I hope you continue to meet some new and interesting people and enjoy your day. David, thank you very much. So I'm sitting with Reshma, you are a founding partner at Seedcamp, sitting in your nice little kind of meeting room that you've got here in Hall 2. The confessional slash zoo, I've heard, <laughs> zoo as well, and why, prison. Why prison. I guess because it's like a cage door. Oh yeah, I suppose, <laughs> yeah, it is kind of an interesting <laughs> decor. It's a little bear. Yes. How long have you been in here today? Uh, a couple of hours. Yeah? Meeting different startups? Startups, some VCs as well, yeah. uh, angel investors, so all, all kinds of folks. Out of interest, when it comes to the, to the startups, is it mainly the kind of the alpha companies or the beta companies, or is it just anyone? Or? I, think, I think for us, it's one of those few occasions where we can really kind of let it be serendipity and uh, yeah. you know, anyone who, who hustles enough can get a spot with us. Sometimes we organize meetings from before. So but yeah. we want it to be as open and kind of unstructured as, as we can while we're at things like a web summit. Yeah, yeah. Out of interest then, do the stages where people are pitching for investment ideas interest someone like you? Absolutely. Look, and I've seen over the years at different conferences here as well, um, they're, they're underrated. I mean, you can spot some great startups there who come come around and raise money from us later, or even if we pass or miss on something, yeah. they raise money elsewhere. I suppose there is that aspect that you, you can literally just stumble across a gem that you wouldn't have otherwise seen. Absolutely, because again, people, there is just a lot of, for, for someone, for one person, what is a signal can be noise for someone else. So it is all relative. And I think it's, it's finding your signal from the noise. I, it was put to me earlier by someone who I, who I really quite respect and know quite well. He kind of said, turned around to me and said, I don't really get why the VCs are, are at Web Summit. Yeah. Um, and on the one hand, I understand that, oh, well, maybe there'll be a moment of serendipity where you just stumble across someone great. But at the same time, it is so unstructured and so random. What do you hope to get from the few days that you're here? Yes, yeah, so, I mean, each day is something different. Yesterday was Venture Day. And so it was, uh, it was a conference really 
constituted of VCs and, and LPs. So GPs like us who are, who are fundraising ourselves yep. meet LPs there who, who have fund of funds or endowments or pension plans or pension organizations which are looking to, to fund VCs like us. So really, really useful, right? And today can be, I was on stage, and so there's a, that, there is that structured bit of the speaker's room where I can meet a lot of fellow speakers yep. as well on varying degree of topics to place like this in Pavilion 2 where it is much more unstructured. So I think it's dividing up your day between structured and unstructured and, and letting that come together. And look, it is, it is a place, people fly in from all at all parts of the U.S. here, people yeah. fly in from Asia as well, and obviously are all parts of Europe too. So it's such a wonderful place to get everyone in a, in a room or you know in an arena and uh, and and have those connections and be able to just catch up. I felt like contraband earlier. I was snuck into the into the speaker's lounge. Oh, yeah. uh, and as it's I, a good place, huh? Yeah. yeah. On the way in, the person I was with said, "You know, it's where all the cool guys are." And I was yeah. Like, where, where, where do you do you do you get more value out here? In the zoo or in there and networking and amongst that crowd? You use the word zoo. <laughs> <laughs> Only because you used it first. <laughs> no, no. Talking about the cage that we're in, not, yeah, yeah. not, not the place. Um, it, again, I think it's different. So here, you know, because you'll meet so many, so many startups, so many different um, ideas, you get a sense of trends. What are founders really working on? What are the problems they're having? What are And that... That, that's hustle and we need to be on top of that hustle and, and that's part of being a good investor. I don't think you can sit in the cloud and, yeah. and, and you know sit at some central location and say, oh, all the best deals will come to me. Like You have to hustle and, and be out there on, on the ground yeah, and yeah. this is part of that. And of course, we have a running portfolio. We're trying to do deals live at, at the moment as well. And so I think in the speaker's lounge, there are a couple of those VCs that can be like, hey, five minutes, you know? Uh, remember that company that came in? You have a, you're going to your investment committee, like want to put in a good word for those guys yeah, or yeah. let's do this deal together or, or whatnot. So it's, yeah, it's trying to, you know, trying to do your entire job here in, in a couple of days and it goes a long way. It kills a lot of birds. Cool. Well, look, Not I don't that anyone should be <laughs> killing birds. <laughs> I don't want to take up too much of your time. Um, I obviously appreciate it's probably been quite a long day as well, with given that you were on stage earlier. But uh, how many days are you here for? Um, till tomorrow morning. So I have okay. a six-month-old baby to get back home to. You can enjoy a bit of tonight? Yes, there's a boat party. So I'm going to go to that. Cool. Well, look, thank you very much for your time. Thanks so much. So we're having a quick chat with Martin. You are head of products? Director of products, get this uh, right. VP of products. Yeah. VP of, of products. One of the co-founders of Pipedrive. And one of the co-founders of Pipedrive. And who are Pipedrive? So we make software for salespeople. Uh, so if you're an SMB that is selling something expensive that takes a long time to close, then uh, we make software for you. Yeah. Uh, makes this process uh, more efficient and, uh, and easier. And you've been speaking three times today. Uh, yeah. I'm really heavily trying to get the participation award. <laughs> and how have you found it? How was how speaking on Panda? That was surprisingly big uh, yeah. stage so um, was a little bit nervous but you know, I think it went quite well what was the message that you were trying to get across I mean when you when you are speaking um, you know obviously you're not going to stand up and do a sales pitch no one necessarily wants to hear that so what, what are the themes that you're trying to get across so one of the things that we stand for is the productivity of salespeople yeah so many other things I said today in, uh, in all my kind of different uh, uh, speeches and talks was kind of um, elevating the salesperson, kind of uh, making sure that they're focused, they are productive, uh, that kind of they can deal with all of the things that humans are really good for. Uh, and kind of obviously uh, there's this element of pipe drive taking away all the tedious, repetitive stuff that kind of people yeah, yeah. usually have to deal with. But then they have more time left over to kind of deal with the things like uh, really talking to the customers, taking their time, really understanding what their problems and needs are, and yeah. kind of finding. Uh, Good solutions so a lot of uh, what I've been telling people is kind of don't worry about automation it won't take away your jobs uh, it will just uh, make everything better for the salesperson now something that I ask people on a regular basis when, when doing these mini interviews is hey why have you come to Lisbon you said you live in Lisbon and pipe drive have quite a big office in Lisbon what, what do you think it is that, that that's making Lisbon such an attractive alternative to say London or Berlin or Frankfurt or any of the other big tech hubs so for us specifically, Lisbon was really important because we have a huge customer base in Brazil. Right. So the Portuguese language was kind of important, but at the same time, uh, people here speak really good English as well. Uh, tremendously really good uh, engineers here. Um, and um, 
Obviously, Web Summit had something to do with it. So uh, Web Summit kind of put Lisbon on the map. So when we were looking for the next spot for our office, uh, we were looking at all of the obvious suspects in uh, Eastern Europe. But then Web Summit uh, moved to Lisbon. We started looking at Lisbon more closely and realized that uh, that's a kind of a hidden treasure here. Yeah. yeah. Um, so we came to, uh, to our first Web Summit two years ago, kind of fell in love with the city, uh, moved the office here. I moved here personally. Um, <laughs> so it all really started with Web Summit. I suppose then you are delighted that they've announced they'll be here for another 10 years. Uh, I'm very delighted, yeah. It's, uh, it's definitely good for the city. Uh, yeah. It's kind of really elevating it on the, uh, on the world map. And there's so much competition going on between all of the different startup hubs these days. So uh, I think it's really beneficial for Lisbon to have WebSummit here. One last quick question. As a co-founder of a business, what's something that you'll take away from the conference? Um, <laughs> that, yeah, anything can grow really, really big. I mean. Who would have known that uh, a conference get, can get this big and kind of have that much of an influence? Yeah. So uh, I, I think the biggest takeaway really is from, like, not from any of the content, but the, uh, the conference itself, that if you stick to something and you make something really, really cool and useful for people, it can grow huge, whatever it is that you're doing. Cool. Well, look, thank you very much for your time. I know that it's been a busy day. Oh, yeah. Thank but enjoy, you. enjoy tonight if you're going out, but if not, enjoy the rest of the conference. All right. Thanks. So I've just sat down with Luke. You are one of the co-founders of Ariane. Indeed. Is that the right pronunciation? I should probably check. Ari uh, Ariani is great. Ariani, if you want to make it sound a bit more French, <laughs> since we are based in France. Yeah, um, yeah. But, uh, but as you wish, Ariani is great. Cool. Now, if anyone's not familiar, and you're, you're a fairly young company, so there may well be a lot of people who are unfamiliar with you at the minute, what do you do? Yeah, so really the goal of Ariani is to create a digital identity for every valuable object in the world. Um, so in a more even term, um, it's, uh, we're creating a digital passport for uh, your product. So really it's, a, it's kind of an app. Uh, it's, it's backed by blockchain, but it's, a, it's an app where you have all your different products. Uh, and it's a proof of authenticity because we work with brands who are the only ones that can emit those uh, passports. It's a um, proof of the history of the product because you can put stamps. So if you have like a nice watch, you need to get it serviced every couple of years. Uh, here, you will have a proof that uh, you've actually serviced at uh, this location your watch. So when you resell it, because uh, that's the third thing, it's also a proof of ownership. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it allows you to, you can actually transfer this, uh, this passport from, to the next owner of your, your watch. So you can prove that you've actually you know, done all the servicing and so forth. So are your customers mainly large corporations with complex supply chain and logistic challenges? Because that would be obviously one kind of, you, you, could, you could imagine it being applied in that setting quite yeah, easily. Yeah, so we don't work on the, logi on the, the supply chain side right. per se. Um, the, we actually think the supply chain, especially in the luxury, uh, luxury brands, is quite um, integrated already. Right. Um, so we don't really need a blockchain, like, which, which really what blockchain is, is good for. I mean, blockchain is a slow database, uh, but that is um, uh, tamper-proof uh, and that you can trust. Contrary yep. to, to a centralized uh, database. Um, so if you do not have that need for a, a kind of trustless environment, uh, you don't actually really need a blockchain today. Uh, where we actually, and that's why some of our, our people that do something similar in the luxury industry uh, have been focusing a lot on the supply chain, but we, we actually think it's the wrong way of seeing, uh, um, applying blockchain to the luxury industry. Yeah. What we are working on really and where they have a, 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 an issue is once the product is finished, it's actually produced, um, they, then they sell their product um, in, um, uh, at retailers, um, like uh, multi-brand retailers, uh, and then it goes of course, to the customers. Customers can resell their products or gift it, and they really have no traceability of the product. They do not right. get into information about the, the customer. Uh, they do not even know where the product went. There's a big subject uh, for luxury brands, which is called the Daigos, mm. um, and, and the gray market in general, which are people that come to France, buy a you know, Hermes bag, um, and bring it back to China, sell it for a 40% profit. Uh, and here, you don't even have that visibility. You can't even communicate to the person back in China who really bought the product. Yeah. Uh, so it's a, it's, a big, it's a big subject for them, um, the post-purchase um, traceability or post-production uh, traceability. Obviously, blockchain's a bit of a buzzword. When you're, when you're talking to people, I assume you don't say we're a blockchain business. It's just you're a business and blockchain is part of that solution. Yeah, so in general, I say we are more in the distributed, distributed ledger technology, yeah. um, which uh, I think actually is, is more indicative of what we're doing. Blockchain is quite specific. I mean, it's really what the Bitcoin white paper uh, put together, which is a, a brilliant solution, but we, where proof of work, for instance, is, is an intricate part of, which 
poses a lot of difficulties for uh, for for scaling. Yeah. Um, so the the when we present our, our, our product, really uh, that idea that we have digital passport, um, and we help brands uh, communicate with the current owner of the product. All, everything we do is actually completely anonymous, um, right. so you can only know that this wallet, this person that has this phone or this this passport on this phone uh, is the current owner of the product. Yep. So you can send a message to that current owner of the product without necessarily knowing who he is. You've just uh, closed a successful funding round. Yes, we just finished a token pre-sale, raised $3 million. How many founders or co-founders are there of the business? There are six co-founders, cool. uh, large co-founding yep. team, uh, but also um, a lot of uh, successful entrepreneurs. So. so how do you work out how to spend that money? Because now you've got it there. There could be so many different things as a co-founding team that it's like, oh, well, we could focus on this, we could focus, you know, before we hit record, you mentioned about hiring talent, but equally, obviously, you're here and you're, you're pitching and you're building a profile and you've got a PR firm that you work with, so marketing is important. How do you decide where that money goes? So, we really have three main uh, posts where you're spending money. First is technology, of course. Uh, we yep. already have a running uh, uh, prototype, um, but we do need to get it ready for the launch in April. Uh, and that's where the, the talent, hiring the talent is quite difficult because uh, blockchain uh, engineers are difficult to find. We have a great CTO who uh, co-founded uh, Vestiaire Collective, which is a great uh, um, startup success in France who raised over $150 million. Uh, and he brought that entire company and scaled that company. Uh, but still, uh, it, he can't do it alone. And finding, um, we have also a nice, a good technical team and finding additional um, talent in Cryptography, security uh, is is quite a challenge in a really young environment uh, as as blockchain. You're based in Paris. Does we're your te does your technical team needs to be based in Paris, or is it something that you're looking at to try and so we're find a solution to that talent issue? Indeed, we're trying to to keep the technical team in Paris um, because it's much easier to have actually everybody in the, the same uh, office. Yeah. Uh, however, we do have for some specific needs like uh, we're starting to work with uh, zero knowledge proof uh, technology. Here, this will not be hired in-house, and that will be working with companies uh, actually outside of Europe. Right. Um, so we, we do work also with people outside of Europe, for sure. Um, but so the te technical side definitely is one of the places where we're spending money. The second one is continuing our, our um, developments with, uh, with brands. Uh, we actually already have uh, three proof of uh, concepts that are being built uh, with brands. Mm -hmm. So how do you actually apply our technology to their, um, to their need in particular? Uh, and, and that's another place where we spend money. And the third one, um, of course, is how do you actually keep on, on um, doing that PR, that, that getting that profile. Um, and for us, a big part of this is actually how do you organize discussions around topical um, questions that, uh, that we are interested in, uh, namely um, GDPR compliance yep. uh, is a big subject for us, uh, the future of CRM in a world where GDPR compliance is a, is a must. Um, and of course, the subject of uh, decentralized ledger technology and, and blockchain. Very quickly, to finish on, this is your first web summit. Indeed. Uh, you mentioned when we were just chatting away beforehand that you're generally not a fan of big conferences. Yeah, so I usually come here to pitch, so I, I, I do kind of a yeah. bunch of pitches around and I, I do the pitch and that's always nice. Uh, and, uh, and then the, it's more like this being on the floor um, uh, presenting your, your, your startup is, is more exhausting more than anything else. It's yeah. actually really nice to, to do it. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm really happy to meet people and, and people usually have good questions. Yeah, uh, absolutely. It also trains you to actually explain your product in a more, um, in a more in, uh, easier way or more understand. Uh, I mean, I, I can totally understand why, why a company might be a little bit kind of, we, we need to be here for certain reasons, but equally, mm. I do question sometimes, you know, certainly for the alpha companies. So Beta, I, I suppose it's a bit different, but for the alpha companies, when they're very, very young, kind of what are they going to get out of exhibiting? They'll, they'll meet some new people. Great. What are the, what are the takeaways for a startup? So the, the big thing, though, and, and I, I guess that's what I've, I've, I haven't planned enough Web Summit, I guess, but um, the, the big thing with, the, with those conferences is really the, the after parties or the, yeah, or the yeah. meetings that you, you, that you take because you are in that area. Yeah. Uh, so that's what we do usually Sarah a lot. Serendipity. Uh, we've done a lot of crypto conferences because we're in the, in the blog crypto and blockchain conferences, and because yeah. we're in the crypto and blockchain, and we saw much more. It was much easier to get meetings uh, because people were already here for uh, the blockchain slash crypto uh, yeah. subject. Here, because I think it's specific for us, it's kind of specific to Web Summit, which is that Web Summit is more of a general conference, and uh, getting your you know your little. Uh, 
brand out and, uh, and, and finding some interest from, from people around is kind of, kind of difficult because there are, I think, about over 100 people, or 100,000 people coming here and uh, for a whole slew of different subjects. So it's, it's difficult to stand out, for sure. Yeah. Well, look, look, I really appreciate you taking some time out to come away from the, the stand <laughs> and the exhibiting uh, piece for a moment and uh, enjoy the rest of the conference. Thank you very much. So I'm now chatting to Anna and it's, it's a nice sunny day. Yesterday was a horrible day, and now it's warm. Hello, guys. Hi. <laughs> so you're from Semrush? Yeah, I'm from SM Rush. So it's SM Rush rather than Semrush? Or? Actually, uh, part of our community call, calls us SM Rush. Right. Uh, another part calls us Semrush, so whatever, whatever you prefer. Well, given that you're but kind me of... Me, personally, I call, I call my company SM Rush. Given, given that you're marketing and brand, what you say probably should be... That should be what it is. So yeah, <laughs> I think I think it sounds just better. <laughs> so what what does the business do? Uh, I would say like you know in a few words. Uh, we started as the as a tool for search engine optimization. Right. And we've been developing uh, the uh, the platform for around like eight years. But then we noticed that uh, digital marketers, they would love to do, like, they would love to work with different channels yeah. in one place. So we made the decision that we would love to develop our tool um, in a few different directions. So we started adding the tools for content marketing, social media marketing, and PR as well. Yeah. So to cover the whole online visibility of a single company. So nowadays you can, you can just uh, use a SimRush basically to work with uh, all digital marketing channel in one place. Okay. With one single subscription. Um, and you, you're primarily, you've got offices in the States, but also in Russia. Yeah, are, your, are your customer base mainly in the States? It's mainly US, it's mainly right. US. Uh, uh, also, we are one of the most popular tools in the UK, Australia. Yeah. Uh, we have a very strong presence in European countries, Italy, Spain, France, and Germany. Do you find that attitudes towards marketing and digital are different in those different areas? Kind of, do demographics change yeah, the proposition I mean, like, quite? Um, when you look at the US, you see that they're the most advanced in terms of digital marketing and the trends and the tools and the channels that are used by the American companies. Uh, the, those trends come a bit like later to the to the European market. So. Which is interesting because yeah, you think you good, think yeah. we're digital that everything yeah. would kind of be flat and yeah. leveled off now, but it, there yeah. does still seem to be cultural differences. Yeah. So the US is always in advance to, right. to others, but it's it has been always like that with, with marketing. So how come you're at Web Summit? Uh, I love it. It, uh, it is my third Web Summit. I find it I find this event very useful uh, because basically I can meet here everybody. Yeah. I can meet the media people, like journalists. I can meet like influencers from different industries, starting from marketing, I don't know, blockchain or whatever, whatever industry you're into. You can meet your potential future colleagues. You can actually find people that you can hire in the future. Um, just everybody, basically. I think it's, a, it's just, just the place where people just come every year yeah. and they just know that they will meet here their current and future friends. It's more like, I can't even call it as a business event. It's more like the uh, community event. I see. It's more like to meet your, to, f to, meet, to meet your friends and make the new ones. Yeah. I mean, do you, do you find then yourself in, in many of the talks or is it more time spent doing this kind of thing and having a drink with people? Or? Uh, honestly saying, uh, I don't go to any talks. No. No, no well, to I, be honest, I don't. Yeah, so. <laughs> I don't, yeah. Uh, but I do spend my time uh, talking to people because, like, it's the great place to do. Yeah. Uh, Web Summit has a f huge number of side events. Yesterday we've been to the event, uh, to the boat trip organized by the Dutch community. And there were like a lot of speakers, influencers. It was just yes. a nice place to, to have a glass of wine and to talk to people in a very relaxed mode. Yeah, yeah. People just extremely relaxed. And after that, I joined a few parties yeah. in the city center. So I mean like the science events are perfect. Yeah. You can go there and talk and meet really and make friends and really find a good like business potential with new partners. Cool. Well look, it's lovely to spend a couple of minutes talking with you. Yeah. Thanks for Thank sharing you. your insight Thank on the conference. You. Thank you. And yeah, fingers crossed you enjoy more events today. Thank you so much.
So I'm sitting with Paul, who we met. I, I suppose I suppose the whole purpose of, of, of Web Summit is to kind of meet people spontaneously, right? Serendipity at sunset. Exactly. Yeah. And we were at the Sunset uh, Summit last night. And you said, hey, I'd like to have a chat. And we ended up having, having a couple of beers and having a chat about your business. Yeah. Um, which was transforming gifts, I suppose. Adding sound to gifts. That's right, yeah. So it's, the company's called Vlipsy. Yep. Uh, we're a startup, small you know, tech startup, classic kind of example. Uh, and yeah, we are all about making it easy for you to express yourself using short video. Yep. So when you're having pints at the pub or you're chatting at work or having a conversation with friends or colleagues, Often you'll want to express yourself in a, in a fun kind of way and you, you can do that through emoji and stickers and GIFs. Uh, so what we've built is make it possible to do it now with video. So yep. you can actually have the sound. You, know, you can have the show me the money audio from the Jerry Maguire GIF. How, how are they created? Are they, so obviously with, with GIFs, there's, there's huge stores now that you can kind of search through. Mm -hmm. um, is there that content? How, how does that content get created? Sure, sound? kind of similar to how GIFs get created. So it's a real com community aspect to it. Yeah. Uh, so with a platform like Giphy or Tenor, anyone can go to those websites and make a GIF right. uh, from a video they found online or just upload one from their computer. Uh, so likewise, we've tried to make it easy as possible and it's, it's super simple. You literally just take a, a video link like from a YouTube video, choose the start time, the end time, clip it, add a few tags, and then it goes into the library. We of course cool. check to make sure there's nothing sketchy or inappropriate in there. Uh, but other than that, once it's live, it's it's available to be found. So, what was the um, what was the genesis or the idea behind the business? Because obviously, it's one thing going. Oh, a lot of people use gifts to. Mm. There's an actual business model here that we can kind of build something around. Yeah, I mean, the genesis was you know we've always worked in the expression media space, so had worked yeah. on gifts and things for a long time at different messaging companies, and noticed that it wasn't really that easy to send a video. Uh, you could send a link to a YouTube video, but it was pretty clunky, and it would open another app, and then you'd watch an ad and. It's just not the, the same experience that, that people wanted. So we thought, let, let's just build it. Uh, and, and how is that going to work? You know, startups should have a business plan, and so we do have one. Uh, essentially, it's, it's a search platform. So if you think about how a search engine works, if you look up you know, a beer brand or if you look up a vacation destination, you're going to see organic results, mm. but you'll also see sponsored results. Uh, and those sponsored results have to be relevant, they have to be good, and if they are, then people click them because that's what they're looking for. And that's a massive business for companies like Google. So we're essentially a search model ourselves. Uh, if someone is having a chat and they want to go grab a coffee and they look up coffee to send a little funny video, lo and behold, one of those videos could be from Starbucks, yep. a little Frappuccino clip, and you just send that into the message. So it feels very much like content. It doesn't feel like an ad because you're choosing to actually send that as long as it's a good video. Uh, but Starbucks would pay for that because they want you to be thinking about getting a Starbucks, not going to Costa Coffee or somewhere else. How do you get visibility? I mean, how do you get people to start doing this? Because obviously GIFs are now built into our mobiles. It's very easy to click yeah. on GIF. But finding this, if, it, if this isn't easy to find for a user, I guess it's not going to take off. That's the big challenge, yeah. And I think it's, you know, every startup is about the, the product, but it's also, you know, what I think about a lot is the distribution and, and reach and how you're going to get to users that might want to use it, just didn't know about it. Uh, it's also 2018, so it's you know there's millions of apps out there. Yeah. So while we have our own app at Vlipsy.com, our own website, uh, we're actually really more focused on building integrations with existing apps that people use. Yeah. So if you use Skype, for example, uh, on mobile, you can tap a button plus button on the bottom left side of Skype, and that opens up a couple of options. Like you can send a Spotify song, you can send a Giphy GIF, and you can send a Vlipsy bit. It's actually built into the Skype app itself. Cool. Uh, similar apps like Viber, we're doing the same sort of thing. So part of my job is going around looking into chat, social, dating, kind of any kind of messaging, social network sort of app to encourage them to consider adding Vlips uh, because users like them. Once, once they start using them, they have a lot of fun. It becomes a kind of a habit. Uh, and that's good for these platforms because they're all about getting people to share more messages more yeah, often, yeah, yeah. keep coming back. Uh, so we're yeah, trying to work a, a way to leverage these partners. How many web summits have you been to? Is this your first? Or? This is actually my first web summit. So it's kind of uh, mind-blowing uh, to see the scale of it, but yeah. it's been pretty good so far. I suppose it's one of those things, isn't it, where it's so big that you could spend a lot of wasted time trying to do too much. Yeah, and it's, I tried to do as much prep as I could with you know, trying to work out who's going to be there uh, and you, know, you reach out to them and that kind of thing. But I think a lot of it is like last night, like just the serendipity of walking yeah, around. Yeah keeping an eye open, like looking to see who's interesting to talk to and yeah, keeping it friendly as well. Yeah, and the thing, the thing that always strikes me about this particular conference is that people do seem to be quite open to having conversations. It is actually, yeah. I was at a MIPCOM a couple of weeks ago, which is the TV industry conference, and it felt very different. Yeah, that was much more the ego there. 
Uh, so it was a bit harder to kind of walk up and just start chatting to people, even at the social yeah. parts. Whereas here, it's very friendly. Everyone, you, you catch someone's eye if you if you hold contact for more than half a second. Okay, you got to start chatting, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. and people are happy to do so. Well, cool. Well, look, thank you for spending a bit of time. Uh, and I hope that you do manage to, to find some more partners to integrate it into. Thank you very much. Yeah. Uh, if someone wanted to find the app, what should they search for again? So just look up Blipsy. That's V-L-I-P-S-Y, like a video clip. Cool. All right. Thanks, Paul. Thank you. So we are stood by the side of the Money Conference stage, uh, and we're, we're, we're chatting to Tracy from Silicon Valley Bank, and you've just been on stage moderating a panel. I was just on stage, yes, thank you. How was it? It was really good. It was really interesting. So yeah. um, um, it's a very interesting topic, thinking about what happens next in the open banking platforms and how you can kind of connect startups, developers to big banks and make fintech work more effectively. It's an interesting area, isn't it? Because there's, there seems to have been a reticence from the, from the legacy banks to really embrace the startup community for some time. But I kind of get the sense that that's shifting slightly at the minute with the likes of uh, 11FS and so on popping up and kind of consulting for the larger banks and obviously Silicon Valley Bank and what you guys are doing. Yeah, and I think actually, you know, what, one, of, one of my roles in Silicon Valley Bank is really about thinking about how can we help make these connections happen between the big companies who are looking for innovation and yeah. thinking about how do they move and evolve to the next phase of their journey and the more innovative, agile startups who are trying to, to, to work with them. And, and, you know, I think the open banking platform is really a very formalized way to do that because you're actually thinking about how can you actually plug in and ride on the rails of, you know, regulate, regulatory compliance or security through that platform. But I think it's just every single industry is under some kind of pressure to adapt yeah. and change to the next level of what they With, do. Thinking about innovation, it is typically everyone talks about innovation and they get kind of bored when people start talking about innovation on panels now because it's like, oh, but we've heard this all before. But you look at the stats, and there's a lot of companies that actually don't innovate particularly well. Lots of projects that probably should be shut down take time and resources from ideas that could be more successful and scale and, 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 and beneficial to businesses. How do you help a business innovate in a successful way that really has a, has a positive outcome for their business? Yeah, and I think it's really interesting. I don't think there is a single magic bullet that you go like, there's one magic bullet, you send that bullet and that's the answer. Because if someone could do that, there'd be a lot of people kind of who didn't have jobs anymore. Yeah, um, yeah. It, it, it is a real blend of trying to find all of the different ways you might want to think about innovation. Like, is it about investing in companies? Is it about trying to bring companies in at a very early stage and then accelerate them within your organization? And some yep. companies have had really good success doing that. There was 187 new corporate venture funds founded in 2017. So there's groups who are saying the best way to do it is actually invest and have some ability to leverage the upside of any companies that we do invest in. Yeah. So, I think the key is really being able to find a way to collaborate. It's, it's almost like having an elephant dance with an ant and try and think about how do you make them dance well together. Because if you can't find the way to be agile enough within the big organization, it will fail. And if you yeah. can't find a way for the big organization to be gentle with the the startup, then it, it, it It's a nice it analogy. And, and, and I don't one. mean that startups are all ants, but you know what I mean? It, yeah, it is yeah. just that you've got these differences of personalities in the room and you really have to think about how do you collaborate. And the blend of both can be magical when it works, but it can also be very frustrating for both sides because both yep. sides don't quite know how to get on with each other. It's like trying to marry someone who's a completely different personality <laughs> to you. So um, what else have you got on now? I mean, are you, have you, are you on stage for any more moderating? gigs or is, if you've now got some time to go and now have I've a got some, some more time to go and explore I mean yeah. and this this event is becoming just I think slicker more effective just really an amazing conference I don't know what your thoughts are but I just think each year that I'm here I see it get really just bigger and more meaty in, in, it, in everything that it's about it and then I'm here for the weekend as well which is amazing for the founders event yes yes Perfect. which is great well, one thing on that, you obviously have been to more than, than one web summit. Yeah. On the way out here, I bought the Wired magazine for, for the annual for 2017, 2018, right. which is quite interesting because it was all the predictions of what's going to happen in tech in 2018. 
And you could literally change it from 2018 to 2019 and say it was this year's edition. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of the stuff that, that we were talking about a year ago is still kind of pretty much on point. You know, this is going to be the year for AR, but it hasn't quite happened. People talking about data and ethics. Has there been anything that you have seen? Actually, there's been a shift from last year's agenda to this year's agenda where there has been real progress made somewhere. I think, to be fair, I think that's always the way with any kind of innovation. And I, you know, I come from a telco background, and I remember, like in 2006, 2007, we're going, "Is data ever really, really going to happen?" And the wave just get, kept getting pushed out another year. And of course, then the iPhone launched, and data yeah. became as huge as it is. I, this is a non-tech thing, but one thing I've noticed this year, I think the diversity of people at this event is really, the agenda on that has really changed. And I, I think there are some great stats here. I, I'm sure there are some companies who've made huge progress in the last 12 months. Um, but you're right, some of them are also labels that we change from you know, big data to AI and machine learning, you know, there's an awful lot of things that have just evolved as we move through the, the cycle. I think maybe robotics is, is changing, yeah. and I know Sophia the robot was on stage, so right. that's maybe one that's making real progress. Well, look, we'll let you go and explore, but thank, thank you for you spending so a few much. minutes Great in chat. Great to meet you, thank you. So it's the end of, what are we on? It's Wednesday, isn't it? We're getting to lose track of the days this week. <laughs> it's the end of Wednesday, day two of, of Web Summit proper. I'm kindly being joined by Parneet Pal uh, from Wisdom Labs. How are you? I'm very well, David. And you've just finished a, a, a panel session. Yes, we did a, a panel on burnout. Which uh, which stage was it on? It was on the startup university stage. Yeah. Good attendance or? The house was yeah, it was packed. I was very pleasantly surprised, and everybody was paying attention. They wanted to leave phones out, so I was really happy with the audience. Yeah, it's amazing. You go around all the side stages and the center stage, it's kind of people are drifting in and out and it doesn't feel like necessarily everyone's as engaged. But the, the side stages yeah. are packed generally, like kind of 20 deep standing at the back of some of them. Yeah, I guess if, you know, for them, well, I guess they have a choice with center stage as well. But I think it's a little more focused with these uh, side stages. Yeah, people who are actually interested in the topic, I think, show yeah. up and they tend to stay. So... Uh, just in case anyone's unfamiliar with, with Wisdom Labs, you guys basically are looking at productivity and how it's being affected by stress and burnout in the workplace, right? Exactly, and we're trying to solve for stress, burnout, anxiety and loneliness in the workplace. And we um, really, are, our bigger mission is to create wiser workplaces. And uh, the tools that we use are the science of mindfulness, resilience and compassion. And we're, we're using technology to scale that, that can't exactly be an easy challenge given that the modern workplace, you can't really define a workplace as an office like maybe you could 20 years ago. Exactly, and, and the challenge is not just that, the challenge is also that behavior change is really hard and behavior change is what we're after. Um, and as you might know, you know, whether it's a habit around food or a habit around sleep or a habit around meditating and taking care of yourself, life just gets in the way. It's really, really hard. So yes, I absolutely agree. The workplace is changing, the future of work is uncertain. Um, and we are up against these challenges while we're trying for, to help folks deal with the stress that unfortunately is also increasing in tandem with all of these challenges. Yeah. Burnout rates are greater than 50% across most professions. Uh, anxiety and depression are increasing. Loneliness is the next big health epidemic. Um, so these are, the, these are the things that we're interested in solving for. So you're, you're a doctor by training and, and yes. background. Yes. So how, how do you use that technology as a physician to actually implement some of those changes so that workplaces are, uh, well, they are more productive and people feel less lonely? Yes, so we, you know, I use my back, I'm not in clinical practice anymore. Right. And so I, but my focus when I was uh, in practice was lifestyle medicine is all about optimizing what you eat, how you move, how you sleep, and how you manage your stress. So I'm able to take that science and that experience. Um, and then, you know, when I met the founders of Wisdom Labs, they were really interested in using technology to scale these skills. Um, so the way that we do it is um, we look at an organization as sort of a system where people might be at different points on the spectrum of behavior change. Uh, and then we ask ourselves, you know, whether a person might be just starting out on this journey of discovering how to manage their stress, 
for somebody who's been a long time meditator, you know, how can we meet both these people in a way that's engaging and meaningful? Uh, and so it's taken us a long time to figure out sort of what the right mix is, lots of trial and error. Um, and where we've landed is um, a mix of both in-person programming and then the technology. So the in-person programming is a small part of what we do, but it's sort of, you know, one of us, usually me, going and giving a keynote um, at an organization or leading a, a leadership retreat, you know, spending half a day or a day with um, leaders of an organization because there's a lot of skepticism. You know, I mean, I think everyone acknowledges that that stress is bad and, and they need to do something about it. But when it comes to actually do, you know, looking at the solutions, uh, especially when it comes to mindfulness and compassion, I think there are lots of misconceptions about what what they are and how they work. So the in-person uh, programming is a chance for us to actually talk about the science and to you know help leaders engage in some of those practices and get a first person sort of visceral experience of what it's like um, and then you know that sort of can be the starting place for them to bring into their teams uh, but then a lot of times we've also had people who, who may be interested in the topic and just you know it's more of a ground up kind of um, um, system in, in, in their organization um, and as far as the technology goes what we have is um, an app which is called wise at work um, so all of the practices uh, are geared towards being integrated into your work day so maybe when you're starting your day before you go into a meeting say you had a really difficult um, conflict or conversation with a colleague um, you know all of these situations that we encounter every single day uh, we you know, you can choose from um, different situations on the app and there's a practice to, uh, associated with it. The different moods that you might go through during a work day, right? You might be anxious, you might be depressed, you might be frustrated, or you might be happy. Um, again, there are practices associated with that. And then we have learning series as well. So if you want to improve your focus, your creativity, um, yeah. if you want to sleep better. Um, so there are, you know, 7 to 21 day, up to 30 day series. Is, is one of your biggest challenges as an organization possibly changing people's attitudes initially before they even start looking at these trends? Because in America, the impression I have is that men are possibly slightly more in touch with their feelings than they are, say, in Britain, where we have this idea of the stiff upper lip. And then you look at kind of Eastern Europe and then you get an even more hyper kind of masculine identity of, you know, you can't talk about feelings. Mm -hmm. But that loneliness factor, you know, you look at the suicide rates of young, around young men and mental health yes. are truly horrific in some some circumstances so is part of that a cultural thing for you as a business yeah and so far we've mainly been focused in the u.s so you know our experience globally is, is limited so we're looking forward to the adventures that we'll have in europe yeah. um, uh, but you know some of our client companies do have uh, offices in europe and, and asia so that's been our exposure to those communities yeah. um, and so far yes i think and i think the skepticism um, I would say definitely, you know, I think we were primed well for it because we're based in Silicon Valley and our first clients were techno big technology companies that are full of men who are engineers. Yeah. Um, and so we had to cross that hurdle and we had to get really good at it. Um, so I think we're comfortable uh, enough. I think when those kinds of folks, I think they need, like I said, show them the data and then have them have like an in-person experience of it is, is really helpful in, in overcoming some of those initial challenges. The other thing that we do, you know, besides the app is, uh, again, behavior change happens in community. So if your friend does it or your colleague, colleague practices, you're more likely to do it. Uh, it's also really important in sort of setting the tone and culture in an organization by leaders that it's okay to take five minutes out of your busy work day and go into that mindfulness space or just use the app. Uh, and so we have this uh, thing that we call the ambassador program. And basically it's a peer-to-peer -peer, um, practice program. So for example, if you were interested in bringing this to your organization, you can sign up to be a Wiser Workplace ambassador. Uh, and we would provide we provide all of the content. You just have to hit play on your laptop and just book a room, 30 minutes every week, uh, and invite your team. And we literally, you know, it's a progressive program. We again all geared towards the workplace situations. You know, when you're overwhelmed or uh, you know how to improve your focus or creativity or whatever the the topic might be. And 
we explain, you know, you, you play the video, there's a video on a little bit on the science, then you actually practice for 10 to 15 minutes together. Yeah. Uh, and then the end of it is really important because we have discussion questions related to the, the content. Uh, that's been amazing because this is, you know, sort of the juice of like being in a community because this is when people start asking and answering the, the hard questions around you know what the culture is, uh, is in the organization and, and what needs to change. Well look, thank you for spending a few minutes at the end of what's probably been a, quite a busy day for you, having just come off a panel. And probably people can hear that in the background everyone seems to be gearing up to have a bit of a party now rather than <laughs> carry on working. But thank you very much for spending some time. My pleasure, thank you.